right, so what, what is it about the story that's different than a lecture? Well, the emotional component of it, because then you start caring, because it's character, and it's plot, and there's a setting, and there's some kind of conflict, yeah. and all these story pieces start coming to life in a way that makes it more Because our brains recognize real. that structure. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers. So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. Dave and Abby, we're coming the week after Thanksgiving, so just a quick check-in. Like, give us a quick highlight here. One, thi- one thing. Oh, you know what? I did not check my email for three days in a row okay, over yeah. Thanksgiving break. I noticed I, that. I, Thank you. I never do. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> okay. No, but I, it's rare for yeah. me, and so that means yeah. it was a true break for yeah. me because yeah. I did. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, give me a quick why, why not or what, like, what, did, did you, you chose that? Yeah, I chose that, and I knew it for my own mental health. Yeah. I, I, it's been a stressful couple of weeks for me, and okay. coming into the last couple of weeks of this week. Man, one of my good friends uh, posted something on Instagram about that, too, and she was saying, she's a teacher, uh, you know, K-12 teacher, and she said, for my own mental health, I know I need to take the break, and I need the downtime to recharge, yeah. and that's how I'm going to get through to Christmas good. break, and I thought it. Perfect. Good, yeah. good for you. That's how I feel about it, too. Mm-hmm. It's just been a lot. Good for her. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. You bet. Mm-hmm. Abigail? I, I didn't have much of a mental break. I moved. Yay! Okay. Wow, <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. So a lot of actual physical labor yeah. happened at my yeah. house over the weekend, yeah. but we are feeling settled and blessed, and we really yeah. love it there. And Everyone's sleeping in their own beds. Everyone is in their own beds. Hey, all right. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. And it's just, it's been good so far. So I'm, I'm very grateful for all the help yeah, uh, yeah. that we had. Yeah, great people. Okay, before Uh-oh. we start, quick poll question. Uh-oh. Christmas tree or and Christmas music, yes or no yet? Christmas tree <laughs> and Christmas music. Oh, for sure, for, for a long time. I mean, why, both? Not the tree because we moved, so okay. we called yeah. it up when we okay. moved okay. and just set it right in yeah. the living room. Yeah. Nice. But music for weeks. Oh, wow. You're, you're yeah. one of those. I am one of those. Wow. Yeah, my mom sets up Christmas like Halloween. Wow. So All that's right. what I grew okay. up with. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Family yeah. tradition. We always set up the Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving. It's just yeah. I'm, I'm going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I my axe to grind. I think Christians are too quick to jump to Christmas that we forget about Advent. And so mm. this has been my long-standing mm. beef. And I used That's to always say, point. like, we shouldn't sing Joy to the World until Christmas morning. Yeah. It should be O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, yeah. and Come yeah. Along, Expected Jesus in December. But yeah. that said, I am listening to Christmas music. So <laughs> it doesn't sound like you have strong opinions. No, no, you're right. <laughs> I do love Advent. I do love it. It's my favorite, I do love it. It's my favorite yeah. season of the church year. Yeah. Yeah. Really. yeah. How about you, Matt? Yeah, we have the can- we have the candles. So we have the we light a candle each week for Advent. We've oh, been yeah. doing that since our kids were young. So that's that's on the table in our house. And so on Monday morning to light the first candle for me. And I'm the same way. I love Advent. I, I love Lent as well. I just I just love the liturgical calendar in general. Yeah. Um so yeah, we held off on our Christmas tree until um, after Thanksgiving, so this past weekend. And sure. um, Christmas music's been a little bit longer. My youngest daughter loves Christmas so much. So we've literally had the countdown in days, days until Christmas started, probably around the end of August. Oh, so, wow, yeah. And so she just still sent us an update, but yeah, we, we love it. So anyways, we digress. Yeah, but, right. Here's um, a chit-chat. So that's today's <laughs> podcast. Thanks for coming, everybody. 
Dave, I see you holding a book by Kieran Egan, who's somebody I'm know. familiar with from my time back in British Columbia, and I think you're going to share a quote. So maybe, yeah, what do you got there? So uh, this, this we, we tried this once before. We're going to keep trying this for a little while, I think, that mm -hmm. we'll take turns bringing a passage to read. And this is one of my favorite little books. The, the title of this one is Teaching as Storytelling, an Alternative Approach to Teaching and Curriculum in the Elementary School. Oh. Um, and I actually think it holds true all the way through middle school, high school, college teaching. I, I think um, there's there's something here. This idea of teaching as storytelling. Uh, it is by Kieran Egan, as you mentioned, Matt. And I'm just going to read you a short piece uh, right from the middle of the book. It's just a little book. Um, I don't know, 100, 120 pages. Um, and this is what Egan would have us think about. Telling a story is a way of establishing meaning. Fictional stories tend to be concerned very largely with affective meaning, affective with an A, as in your affect, right? Uh, affective meaning. Whereas in education, our concern is more comprehensive. We want cognitive and affective meaning together. Because the dominant model has tended to emphasize the cognitive at the expense of the affective, drawing on some aspects of the story form for planning teaching can enable us to achieve better balance. The result in practice of such abstract matters is clearer access to material for children and greater engagement with it. The sense of story I'm dealing with here is not so much the typical fictional kind, but something nearer to what a newspaper editor means when he asks the reporter, what's the story on this? The editor is asking for an account of particular events embedded in some more abstract context, which readers already understand. And the editor basically wants to know how the particulars fit into some binary conflict. How do these particulars give body to the ongoing, ongoing story of good versus bad, or security versus danger, or political right versus political left, etc. The editor's question is one about how this particular knowledge is to be made meaningful and engaging to the readers. So what I advocate is use of some features of the story form in order to make new knowledge meaningful and engaging to students. So I've been thinking about this, this idea of story and storyline and how do we invite students to see what they're learning in that contextualized setting. And mm -hmm. what I love about this idea from Egan is that it's both, right? Like it doesn't have to be only the cognitive dimensions. It can be cognitive and effective. And how much more likely it is it that our students are going to remember things mm -hmm. if it's told in the context of a story? Right? You can only remember so much of the cold hard facts and statistics of things, but if you hear a story, totally. it draws us in. So that's why I wanted to choose this one and, and think together a little bit about this. What do you make of this quote? I guess I, I'm a big believer in story. I, I think partly as you were reading, Dave, I was thinking about this idea of um, that, that we are story-formed people. Yeah. Like yeah. We, are, we are people of story. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we are we are created. You know, we're part of a bigger story. Story, we are called um, to participate in God's unfolding story of redemption. Yes, yes. And I think what the the connection I'm making there is that, um, you know, it's it's when I think about education, when I think about Christian education specifically, I sometimes think that we sort of there's a bit of this dichotomy of sort of like this is this is our head knowledge time. Mm. And this is our this is our formative heart time, right? That and and quite often, and I, I say this about myself, so this is not meant judgmentally, quite often I separate those. Sure. Right? Now's our now's our learning time. Right. And and now sort of our, you know, whether it's devotions or whatever. Whatever it looks like. Time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and I think I think what story does is it bridges those things. <clears throat> it has the potential to bridge sure. those things where it's where the things of our heart 
and the things of our mind actually are intertwined. Mm-hmm. And I think story mm-hmm. intertwines our heart with our head. And, and I think that's really powerful. You know, we've, <clears throat> we've said a few times here, education is formation. Right. And I think, I think story is what is part of what forms our students um, to not just walk a certain way in the world, but to think a certain way yeah. in the world, to think critically about things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think story is one way, not the only way, that makes learning real for students. Sure. Um, and I think that's really powerful. I think in a, in a world where things are not that real, actually, mm-hmm. or very virtual, right. or, you know, that it makes it more tangible. Um, and, it, and it gives them something concrete to hold on to, right? And yeah. to, to hang things on, yeah, right? When right. you have a storyline running through a course, right? If we can mm-hmm. always come back to that, that's what I've learned too. Yeah. Like if yeah. we have a storyline that we can kind of frame everything too, it helps us just put things where they belong in our brains, now, I know, right? I know you've done that for a while for some of your courses, yeah. this idea of storyline. Yeah. Can you maybe give our listeners an example of, of a storyline? Like, what do you mean? Right, you so, so intro to ed psych, right? So we talk about how um, our um, deep hope is to see our students as complex image bearers um, created by God yeah. to learn, right? And so, like, that idea of complex image bearers we just keep coming back to that over and over, and we talk about how what competing stories there are in educational theories that we study sure. or in the world that affect our, because that's easy to say, but when you really look into, like, we want to see our students the way that they're created right. to be. And to actually do that, we have to identify, okay, well, if we see our students as creative, right, look at all of these things in school that don't encourage creativity that we need to uh, you know, that we need to examine and look at. Look at look at how this, you know, so behaviorism has its uses, but we have to be careful about how that mm-hmm. shapes our view of students as complex image bearers, right? Because so we examine everything. Story. Yeah, there's a competing yeah. story there, right? <clears throat> so we examine everything through that lens and yeah. we come back to it over and over Thanks and over. Thanks for sharing that example. Yeah. Uh, it just makes me it makes me think too, right? How do we how do we frame our classes, right? As right. Um, like, like ultimately, what are we here doing, right? It's, it's, it's to equip our students to participate right. in that story. And I, and I think it, it helps them see things in ways that they can't in yeah. just black and white, right? Yeah. Well, that's Facts. what I'm saying, right? Like, when we think yeah. about so often, like, a, a lecture, I'll pick on myself here, because I don't think I'm a very good lecturer, right? I get so caught up in the details. It's like, I want you to know all these things. Yeah. And so I, yeah. all these statistics and the facts and figures. Students don't care about yeah. the statistics yeah. most of the time, yeah. right? And so we got to give them some kind of hooks to hang that knowledge on. Well, so, and like they got, the all those facts and figures have to work towards something, right? Yeah. Right, something bigger because we're that's who that's how we're created, right? right? It's so for something larger. If we can reframe that, and you can still get at the heart of those. So I'm thinking right. of my sixth grade uh, social studies teacher, Gloria Pelham. Bless her, she's amazing, amazing teacher. She lectured in, in our sixth grade class, but it was never a lecture. It was always a story. Mm-hmm. And so when we're learning about ancient Greece, she's telling us stories. And I remember things. Like when I came to take Western Civ mm-hmm. at college, yeah. like I remember these stories from Mrs. Pelham teaching me in sixth grade. Like I learned them at age 12, and so I still knew them at age 19, right? Like, yeah. oh, I've been here before. I know this story. Yeah. And the people and the places and the details of it, it all comes back together because she told right. it. It wasn't just lecturing. Right. Just yep. telling, right? Yep. And 
I guess that's what I'm trying to discern here as I say that, right? So what, what is it about the story that's different than a lecture? Well, the emotional component of it, because then you start caring because it's character and it's plot and there's a setting and there's some kind of conflict yeah. and all these story pieces start coming to life in a way that makes it more Because our brains recognize real. that structure, right? right? Yeah. Your story from people, as you said. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I also think, I think for sure we recognize the structure, but I think we can also then see ourselves in that story. Yeah. Right? Or, or it humanizes. It humanizes it and humanizes learning and helps us to make this emotional connection, right? Like mm. I. I think often about the story, you know, like I've written, you know, I love 20th century history and I've read a lot about, you know, World War One, World War Two. like I find it fascinating, but nothing captures it like listening to my mom no. having to, growing up in Holland through the end of the war and like listening to those stories, it's like, so, so here's the story and those are good stories and needing to know those facts and those dates mm -hmm. and and all of a sudden I hear a story and it's like, wow, like she was my youngest daughter's age when they left right. Holland or, right. you know, they were boiling tulip bulbs to survive the winter. Wow. And it's like, whoa, like that, that's a powerful story. And suddenly, it, and suddenly that story makes all the other content actually more real. So it works together that way. Yep. It's like. The story, like you need to teach the content, right? And we're not saying don't, but it makes that content come alive in a way right. that no textbook right. ever ever right. can. And I, and I think that's true with a lot of concepts, right? I, I often, I teach about um, asset versus deficit narratives oh, in yeah. one of my classes, right? So seeing our students through an asset lens and what do they bring instead of what do they lack. And sure. my students have a hard time with that, especially those who are used to thinking about original sin, right? They can't quite grasp because we do have deficits and we're not saying right, to ignore right. those. It's just a hard. And so I always use the story of my daughter to help kind of cement it for them. So my daughter has type one and diabetes. And I always tell them, you know, she will be the first to tell you that that is not the first thing that she wants you to know mm -hmm. about her. Yeah. We don't ignore it because if we did, she would die. Right. Right. Like we are we are very aware of that deficit in her body's ability to produce insulin yeah. and we have to be and we yeah. we attend to it. But that is not how she wants you to see her. Yeah. She wants you to see her, you know, her determination and her bravery and her, you know, she eats protein all the time. So she's very strong. Right. So I talk about <laughs> right. that like I would hate for a teacher to just tell me about the things that she lacks. I want them to see, okay, so this has mm -hmm. made her all of these things. This is what she brings. Mm -hmm. And so, and having that be the, what we lead with, right? Right. Is those strengths. And so, and that always, I always can like watch them. Like I see the light bulb go on oh, as I yeah. tell that story. Well, and that to, is the power of the story then, right? It is. Because you can explain this in right. the facts. And they the always situation. are like, what? And then I tell, and oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. right when you can ground it in a real I was just thinking as you're as you're talking about that too like I, it just makes me realize how often you know like even as a parent now our kids will say tell me a story like tell oh, me a story right they want to hear stories yeah. and I don't I don't think that changes as people get older right like we yeah. want to hear each other's stories whether it's in a, a kindergarten classroom or a university or even as a as a family but it but it also makes me realize like in the classroom 
how do we give opportunities for students to share their stories? Mm -hmm. And it also has me wondering just right now, how might we, how might those stories actually impact our lesson planning, our pedagogy, mm -hmm. our curriculum? Like we have our curriculum, yeah. but what are the stories in our classroom? What are the stories in our community that might force us in a good way to adapt some of the things that we're doing in, in our classroom, right? Again, to say, you know, like this phrase that uh, schools involved with uh, a framework called Teaching for Transformation, um, they have this phrase that's real work that meets a real need for real people, right? And, and one of the things I really, really appreciate about that idea of is these, is these teachers um, taking their learning into the community, like being involved in the stories mm -hmm. sure. of the communities. Because I think students do often wonder, and, and rightly so, when are we ever going to use this? Like, what does this actually have to do with my life? And that's not to, again, ignore the content, but how do we bridge those? So, how do so we that bridge it becomes those things? accessible and meaningful. Both, to them, right? Totally. And, and so they understand it because the narrative structure helps them yeah. see in the bigger story, but yeah. they experience it. They, yeah. We invite them into the story. Yeah, and I often think like when. You know, when we're long gone from this place and our and our current students come back for their 30th and 40th reunions. That's what we thought. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it but it it made me it makes me think. They're gonna tell stories, and they're gonna tell stories about our classrooms, and they're and the content we teach is is absolutely important. So I hope no one hears me devaluing that. Of course, yeah, it's that's right. But that's not the stories they're gonna tell. They're not. They're not. They're. They're going to tell the story about the time Dr. Mulder got emotional in his geography class, telling this story. They're going to remember that because it's, it's real. Or, or they're going to. You know, Abby, you shared a few weeks ago. I. I don't know what it was anymore. A story about you guys ended up talking about food, or you ended up talking it's about. It's a recurring theme in that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but it, I also shared Thanksgiving recipes. Yeah. Hey, totally. <laughs> and those and those are stories maybe in some ways outside of learning, but I actually yeah. don't think they're outside yeah. of the learning. No, they actually sure. allow the other things to happen, mm -hmm. and those. And I think. And so I try to find this line of saying, of being like, for sure, never minimize or reduce the importance of excellent academics but it doesn't have to be at, at the expense of story mm -hmm. and relationship sure. and these these real things because because i do think well, in a sense that that's yeah. what they take that's that's part of the 60-year thing that it's, we talk about it's actually about. an excellent pedagogical tool yeah. right like i hold the stories that i i have stories that i connect to lessons yeah. that are like they're yeah. gold right yeah. they yes. they're the thing that helps me like that one about reese right like i can never get them to get that yeah. until i tell that story right yeah. and so they're just excellent pedagogical tools and, right. and they and yeah. they humanize us as yes. teachers as well right i think they are yeah they humanize us i guess yes. it's like we're more and i and i think when we share those types of stories we are making ourselves vulnerable to them and I think that's actually important for us to model mm -hmm. to to our students. Mm -hmm. Dave, what do you? Any final thoughts? Sorry to put you Just, on that. No, that's good. I'm I'm still thinking about this too. Um, from when I have taught our intro curriculum instruction course for students, and one of the yeah. big things we talk about there is the big story of scripture, yeah. too, right? The, the meta narrative is the way we sometimes talk about, right? And and so you can think of yeah, scripture. We talk about the Bible as a book, and it is a book, 
for, for sure. But it's really a library. And so what's the big story in these 66 books that, hmm. that make up scripture? And creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And, and seeing those four big moves in the story. And then, like, how do we use that to frame curriculum? How do we use that as, as a lens for looking at what we're teaching? And so anything you teach connects to some move of that broad storyline uh -huh. of, of scripture, uh -huh. right? And so if you're in a science class, you're looking at the nature of, of creation and how, how has God made this place to be? What's the goodness that we still see in it? How is it not so good? That's the fall, right? Yeah. What's broken? We can, we can name that. Thanks be to God, Jesus came to save the day. And so now we're invited into the restoration of all things, too. And so we're working towards that. So then you can have the students, too, say, so what can I do then? To, you know, and I think we can do that with any subject area. And it's something to the point I almost take that for granted. I know. I love the framework. Right? But you're and, right. And, and yeah. to, to keep that in front of us, for, in front of me, i got to point the finger at myself mm -hmm. here, that that is something I get to do with my students too. I get to help them find their place inside God's bigger story, mm -hmm. right? That's one of the assignments uh, our, our first year seminar yeah. students do, uh, my story inside God's story. And and to really see that, to, to not take the gravity of that for granted. Yeah, and it, it makes me realize too, Dave, just as you're talking is, is for, to help our students understand whatever their story is. Um, you know, they're, they're coming through our classrooms from very hard stories, either personal, yeah struggles, family struggles, struggles we may, ne we may never know, that somehow that we're also communicating to them, just like you said, is that, yeah, like, you are enough just as you are. Like, your story matters. You matter because you are a child of God. And that, and yeah, I think to, to give them hope in that, I guess, right. and to, yeah. to acknowledge that and to, and for student, you know, I, I see so many students, and we've talked about this before, but we so many students that I think um, have been told in so many different ways for whatever their struggles are that um, that might actually separate them from the love of Jesus and to remind them that his his great restoration work his the great God's great rescue plan is for all of our young people no matter what actually no matter what they bring to the classroom classroom each day. Friends, we know that your time is valuable. We want to thank you for joining us in the hallway today. Just as you go into this week, we just want to end by blessing you and saying the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace. Amen. Have a good week, everyone, and thanks for being here. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening.